Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just stand a minute? I just want to pray. Let's just stand together. I'm so mystified about why the front two rows are vacant. But there you go. Maybe the angels will fill them at some point. Yeah. So, Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for Jubilee Church. I want to thank you for what you're doing amongst us. We honor you, Lord. This is your church that you're building, and it's just such a privilege to work with you, Father, to be a part of your plan to change the world. And, Father, we just pray that your anointing would come on us again and again as as we share today, as I share these words with the church. I just pray, Father, for faith to rise for fire to be kindled, and for lives to be changed for your glory. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, we just receive from you right now. Whatever we need, we just take right out of heaven. Thank you, Lord, for giving us access through Jesus. You're never closed, day or night. We can come to you whenever we need. And whenever we just want to be with you, Lord. Wonderful Father. Thank you that today we are seated in heavenly places with you. Praise your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have taken a few weeks out of our normal teaching program just to reflect on what God showed us, what he did amongst us through the weekend of the God of Miracles conference. And so I want to finish that mini-series, if you like, with one final talk And I want to come back to something that we learned from that weekend, which is about telling powerful stories where God is the hero. Telling powerful stories where God is the hero. That's what I want to talk about today. And, and, uh, I mean, this is, this is one of the messages that's been coming through, uh, being able to talk about what God is doing, the importance of that. Um, we were talking about the faithfulness of God even in our worship, reciting what God has done to believe for what's to come. And, uh, the key, but the key message, I think, undergirding it all has been about the presence of God. Has anybody picked that up at all? It seems to be about the presence of God. It's about being led by his presence. It's about being surrounded by his presence. It's about being protected by his presence. It's about being carriers and exporters of the presence of God. That's what it's about. That's what God is saying to us, that miracles come from the presence They come from the presence, or as Mike Pilavachi says, the power is in the presence. I love that. And church, I believe that God has given us a responsibility to carry this message well. To live it out, I think we're going to have to keep revisiting this, keep reminding ourselves of the centrality of being built around the presence of God. And I think we need to live it, I think we need to take it to other places. And so this week I was sharing with our hub, the Solihull hub. There's a number of churches that connect to us there. And uh, I, I was just sharing with them some of the miracles that we have seen recently that have just come from the presence and telling stories of what God has been doing amongst us. And, you know, as I shared these stories, God invaded the room. <laughs> because, you see, These stories of what God is doing are laden with the presence of God and his power. Laden with them. 
And what I'm learning is that the stories we tell where God is the hero work like supernatural battery packs that hold the power of God so that when they are accessed, what God has already done can be done again. Um, Bill Johnson comments on a verse in Revelation 19. He says, the testimony of Jesus, the verses, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It goes on to say that a testimony or a story prophesies what is possible again. It declares that another miracle is now available. It illustrates to all who will listen the nature of God and his covenant with mankind. But they're just stories. No, they're presence-soaked, powerful storages of his glory. And so last week we were praying with a lady who needed a significant miracle. And the first, so the first thing we did was tell us stories of what God has been doing amongst us. We prayed and then I went and got other people with relevant stories to come and tell their stories and to pray with her again. Because the revelation of the goodness of God is in these stories. We need to learn how to access them. We need these stories. We need stories where God provides just in the nick of time. Anybody got any of those? We need stories of how decisions were made and stood the test of time. We need stories which have become the fabric of our lives, the backdrop for all we now see and do. Otherwise, we can become weakened and disillusioned when times get tough. Anybody? Where are your stories? Where are your battery packs? I met with a group of leaders recently who got stuck. The church wasn't growing anymore. They'd lost their way. They didn't know how to get back on track. And so I said, well, tell me your story. How did you get here? Where did it start? How did God call you? As leaders, what, is your, what are your prophetic foundations? What did he say to you? What verses did you start out with? Tell me about those. And interestingly, these leaders struggled to tell their stories. They couldn't recall them. They couldn't remember the journey that they'd been on. And it's no wonder they were struggling. We need these stories. They constantly recharge us in the mission that God has given us. So we need to get better, I think, at stewarding the stories of God's faithfulness. Not just for others, but even for ourselves. Do you know the power of God in your stories? (laughs) Your history with God over the years, can you pull them out when times are hard? Are they accessible to you somewhere? Or do, do they just happen and then you just move on for the next thing? The people of Israel knew how to call upon the power of their stories, their history with God. They constantly reminded themselves of their stories. In fact, the whole of the Old Testament is full of these powerful stories. And not many of them had them written down. They didn't have Old Testament Bibles that they carried on their phone or somewhere in the, even in their family home. They didn't have them. A lot of people couldn't even read. So the families would recite these stories of their ancestors and pass them down through the generations. So they would say things like, remember... Remember when we crossed over the Red Sea and, and Miriam sang that song. She wrote that song, the mo- you know, the one that we sing in worship now. Do you know, she wrote that the moment they arrived on the other side of the sea. You see, we've got a miracle working God, remember. 
Or remember the time when we ran out of water in the desert and Moses struck the rock and we had plenty. Or when we didn't have any food and then the food would fall down like snow every morning. And do you remember the quail? Oh, the quail. Do you know people have talked about the quail in the desert? You see, he's our provider. We can trust him. Our clothes never wore out. He's the supplier of all our needs. Do you remember? And they would tell stories about the battles that they faced. Remember that time in the battle when God even stopped the sun so that we could win the battle. Do you remember that? You see, he fights for us. He's the same God today. Can't he do these things now? Can't we trust him now, even in the midst of despair and discouragement? He's the one that fights the battles. You see, Israel knew their history, do we? (laughs) Do we, in your families, even in your family, do your children know your history of God's faithfulness? You know, do they know how you came to faith and why you're a believer today? Do they know the miracles that you have seen or even the miracles that you've heard about? Is that part of your conversation together? I mean, your children might not have read the Bible yet, but have they had the opportunity to read your lives? Do they have any concept of why you believe what you believe, not just the information about what you believe? They have it because they've seen it worked out. It's living and it's real and they, they, they stay, they rest in those stories of God's faithfulness over many years. Powerful stories where God is the hero. Do you know yours? Do you know those of your family, those of your workplace calling? Why are you doing what you're doing today? Do you remember how God led you into that place? You know it's getting tough right now. But remember how God led you into that place and why. How he called you. Remember. Stand on it. We need these stories. Do you know the stories of your church? One of the things I've really loved, we've been doing back-to-back welcome groups over the last year or so in the church as we've grown. And one of the things I've loved doing is telling the stories again of how God led us here to start this church. I just love doing that. just love talking about it, the dream that started it all, the vision that he gave us, the name he called us, Jubilee, and the prophet who told us the vision is in your name. Remember, remember, remember the leaders we prayed in. Remember how Trevor and Wendy came, Steve and Trudy, Darren and Ruth in those early days. Or do you remember in that church prayer meeting where we asked God, send us a worship leader, and Tom and Kate turned up the next Sunday and said, we're here, God sent us to you. Or how about the time we prayed for the pastor-teacher gift to be released in the church? Do you remember? Angela was here. And she led us in praying for the pastor-teacher gift to be released in the church. And who was there in that meeting as a visitor? Simon Simon Clay. And God spoke to him and said, you need to go and join. You're the answer to their prayers. And he is. Amen? Do you remember? Do you remember the history? These stories are important to recall and they sustain us in the hard times. And they give us authority against the enemy in times of conflict. So again, in Revelation, we get a glimpse into the world from heaven's perspective. You know that's what Revelation is about, don't you? 
It's what earth looks like from heaven's perspective. And we can see the power of our testimony in the realm of the spirit. So in Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 to 11, it says here, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the one who accuses them before our God day and night has been cast out, hurled out. How? How was he cast out? Because they triumphed over him. How did they triumph over him? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And that word testimony is about legal authority. It's about the authenticating work of God which says, Devil, you have no place in me. You can't touch me because I belong to Jesus and he has saved me and this is my story and I'm using it against you today. You stand in the court of heaven and declare with authority in the realm of the spirit and the devil has to flee. You overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Did you know how powerful your testimony was? What powerful stories we're carrying in our walk with God. So when did you last use one of your stories as a weapon of warfare? You know, perhaps, I just want to suggest this, that perhaps some of you need your batteries recharging. Perhaps some of you need to revisit your history with God and say, yeah, God, you really have been good. You really have been faithful. Look at all these things. Do you remember? Maybe you need to sit down with your wife or with your family or with a friend and just say, can can I just recite this again? Can I just look at this again? Write it down, maybe. You know, before we came to Solihull, we wrote down three pages of how God led us here. And, you know, I revisited those three pages many times. Yeah, God, there's the story. And then, of course, we have the example of Jesus just picking up on what Paul says. We have to speak from the Old Testament and the New. So here we go. (coughs) The testimony of Jesus His example, I mean, there are so many powerful stories connecting with Jesus, aren't there, in the New Testament. And they reveal, each one of them reveals something of what God is like. So let me just give you a few, a brief selection. It's very clear that when we watch how Jesus handles the miraculous, that there are different purposes and different instructions with each of the stories. And I've given a few little snappy titles here, like Show and Tell. Don't tell, make tell, go and tell. So I just want to take you through, do you like that? Yeah. So this is what we're going to do, show and tell. Sometimes the stories of Jesus are simply just that, they're just show and tell. And they're in a category of what I would call signs that make you wonder. I mean, the water into wine. I mean, what? The water into the best of wine. What? Did he not like the wine at the wedding? Was he getting a bit fed up with it? How did he know that he could turn water into wine? How did Mary know that he could turn water into wine? When did he get to practice? There are so many questions about the water into wine. But why? It's so fun reading the commentators. They've got all these theories about why Jesus did it. It was a picture of the, the vine that, uh, that, that was over the temple and the picture of the faithfulness of God over... No, I just think he was showing off. 
I honestly do. I just think, Jesus, why, why did you do that? And the writer of the gospel gives us no help either. He says, only this. He says, well, this is why he did it, to reveal his glory. <laughs> he was just showing off his glory. It's because I can. I hope you don't think I'm being disrespectful. I'm not. This is what he's like. Sometimes he just shows off his glory. What about, okay, here's another one. What about the story of the coin in the mouth of the fish? What was that about? It's in the Bible. Look, it's in uh, Matthew 17, 24 to 27. Peter and Jesus are talking about their need to pay their tax bill. Anybody? Does anybody have to have to do that? And Peter's just worried about this. He's not fishing anymore, blah, blah, blah. And Jesus says, look, you don't have to pay. You're from a different kingdom. He said, but hey, throw your fish hook into the sea, reel in the first fish, and when you find the fish, open its mouth, and kazam, there's a coin in his mouth, enough to pay your tax on mine. Look, what? Why? What? What is that about? Why? Is it just me, or do you think that's just a little bit crazy? It's because he can. It's because he can. It's because he wants to bring us to that place of childhood faith where we just say, wow, oh my goodness, what? Wow. Have you lost your wow? (laughs) Have you lost your wow? We've had a wow recently. It's inexplicable. We can't think of what this is about. But our house for several weeks now has been full. I mean, I'm not kidding. Full of flowers. Full of flowers. It's nothing to do with springtime or my gardening ability, I assure you. We've had flowers turn up at our door anonymously. We don't know where they've come from. Marks and Spencers have given loads of flowers to the storehouse. Too many for us to give out. So our house has got full of flowers. All I know is that somebody prophesied and said, God says to you, Solly Hall is in bloom. Wow. Do you know the interesting thing is my wife never wants me to buy her flowers. She thinks it's a waste of money. She says, I'd rather have perfume because the smell lasts, where flowers, they just die. Why would I want flowers? And yet God is inundating us with the flowers of his glory. Why? Well, we're just saying, wow. Sometimes it's just show and tell. There are other times that this happens, and and they cause all kinds of confusion, Sometimes even, especially those more theologically neatly packaged and tied up in string kinds of people. Have you heard about the church in Idaho in America? They've had gemstones falling all around the house. They just plop out of the air all around the place. You can see them on YouTube. Or, or the church in Puerto Rico... Uh, There's been an investigation to both of these miracles. They're very unusual. In Puerto Rico, there's a Bible there that is continually soaked. It pulsates with golden oil. And and it just pumps out this golden oil. And then when people take the oil, they're buckets collecting this oil. And the oil has now started dripping off the ceiling. It started dripping down the walls. And as people take this oil and, and anoint people with it, they're supernaturally healed just in the anointing. And the interesting thing is, the Bible 
isn't messed up by this. The, the paper is still perfect. I don't even understand it. What? What? Why? And they got all these theologians desperately trying to find where it is in the Bible. And actually, God's just saying, ha ha. Do you know, I'm convinced sometimes that God is just doing it to mess with us. Have you lost your wow? When did you last get awestruck when God turned up and did something that was completely unexpected? Some of our stories are just to bring the awe and wonder of God. Why, God? Because I can. And sometimes stories are don't tell. There is a category called don't tell. There are several occasions when Jesus tells people not to tell the story, sometimes because it's not the right time, so just wait a bit. Wisdom. And other times, like the leper in Mark chapter 1, Jesus told him to go and show the priest first because he wanted the miracle properly authenticated by the authorities. But the man disobeyed because he got so excited have you ever got so excited you forgot to be wise? I remember, uh, no, I won't go down there. Um, and, and spread the news anyway, making it impossible for Jesus to work in that city. And you see what the man didn't know in all his excitement is Jesus really wanted that miracle properly authenticated. It was extremely significant because the Jews at the time believed that only God could heal leprosy. So it would have been a revelation of who he was, but that got missed because the man got too excited and Jesus couldn't function in that town anymore. Don't tell. And no doubt there is wisdom in holding back sometimes until a miracle or a healing is properly recognized. Not always. And it doesn't take away from the miracle. Actually, it makes it even more significant. It was so exciting for me this week uh, to see letters from the hospital about Tom's miracle, the healing of his, uh, his collarbone. Love seeing those letters. And then some of the quotes from the doctor. He said, the consultant doctor, a Muslim man, says, I have never seen a collarbone heal that quickly. We couldn't have done better with surgery. And he was amazed at how far the bone had moved and completely agreed with Tom that the power of prayer was the only explanation. Some more exact words. He says, I just don't know where that bone has come from. Listen, guys, go up and look at that bone. It's a miracle. You can even feel where it joined. Go and touch Tom's shoulder. He doesn't mind. He's a very touchy-feely kind of guy. You can feel where the bone has moved and rejoined. It's a miracle. It's a creative miracle. Authentication is fantastic, but it's not always needed. And wisdom is helpful. And so just in case you think that this is a get-out, don't tell... All right. The only others that Jesus forbids from talking about him or the miracles he's done are the demons. They're the only others he says, don't tell. So sometimes it's just wait a bit. Sometimes it's get that authenticated first. The only others that he says, don't tell are the demons. And none of us are in that category. So you've got no let out there. You see, Jesus didn't want praise from them. He was not interested in what the demonic thought of him. So that's the second category. The third category is make tell. This woman, she, she lived in total shame. She was excluded from her community. She'd been ostracized by her family, kept out of the temple because she was ceremonially unclean. 
She'd been bleeding for 12 long, miserable years. And none of the doctors could help her, even though she'd given them all her money. It just made her worse. Now, if I could only just get to Jesus. And so she crawled up behind him just to touch the edge of his robe. And then instantly the power goes through her and Jesus feels the outage and turns around and says, who touched me? The disciples look at him and say, Jesus, you're crazy. There's a crowd pressing in all around you and you're saying, who touched me? But it was a particular kind of touch. He says, I felt the power go out of me. Now, who is it? And this woman throws herself down. This woman that's been shamed and ostracized by her community throws herself down. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Go at peace. Go in peace. Come out. Come out and say what God's done for you. Come out and give glory to him. Come out and receive the fulfillment, the completion of the healing. You see, the shame was broken in that moment as Jesus declared healing for the woman. As Jesus declared her clean, what had been said was unclean. The healing was only completed when she came out. Make tell. Make tell. Give the glory to God that he deserves. Speak up. Even in the shame. Because her restoration was more than physical, her dignity was also restored. See, Jesus honoured the woman. He honoured her and said that your faith releases you from your suffering completely. And some of the miracles that take place in our lives are, quite frankly, embarrassing for us to talk about. Especially publicly. See, as a church... We have seen so many healings and deliverances over so many years, but they're intensely personal, some of them, and and people will struggle to talk about them. There have been struggles with addiction and how God has freed people from those addictions. Wasn't it great to see Andrew's testimony come out again three years sober? (laughs) Three years sober. Isn't that amazing? This month, three years sober. Wonderful. Mental health, the stigma of mental health, pornography addiction, same-sex attraction, money troubles, marriage problems, and so on. But do you know, guys, even these stories that are intensely personal have power to bring healing and restoration to other people who are also struggling in secret. You might have heard of the time that uh, Simon Holly, who now leads Catalyst, talked about his addiction to pornography at a leaders' conference some years ago. And some people were shocked. Others may have even been stumbled, but most people were liberated and followed his example and were able to find ways of moving forward themselves in areas of shame and bondage because they could talk about it now. Wow. And I just wonder if it might be a season for some of us to stand out and declare what God has done for them. The things that he's done in public to complete the healing in the things that he's done in in private to complete the healing in public as the chains of shame and embarrassment are broken. I wonder. That's not to say that we all need to stand at the front and speak before everybody. There are different ways of communicating these things. So, um, for example, Megan, I don't know if Megan's here. Did did you read her her blog about struggling with anorexia? That was so powerful. It's so good to read that. It's on the church blog. 
She wrote about it. Other people have, you can anonymize your testimony a bit and say, I knew a person or whatever. That's not cop-out. That's actually just being wise. Uh, Others have recorded their stories, because, as Andrew has done, because it was difficult to, to actually get it all in, the faithfulness of God. And it may mean speaking it out to your life group, perhaps, or a trusted friend. But make tell is not about being forced to do something. It's about freedom to talk about something by which we have previously been bound by shame and secrecy. And so the healing is completed. Amen. Make tell. And finally, go and tell. And ultimately, this is the aim of everything Jesus came to do. To go into all the world and tell everyone what God has done for them. Stewarding the story of power with the question, who else needs to hear this? Do you know some of the most amazing breakthroughs I saw in my workplace were when I took stories from church and told them at work to people that needed to hear them. I remember being shut in a car with somebody for a number of hours and I just told them every miracle story I could think of. And a week later, when she was struggling with an asthma attack, she came in and said, you know those miracles, do you think God could help me? I can't breathe right now. Normally I end up in hospital. And I said, Holy Spirit, come. And instantly she felt the power of God come on her. She's never been to a charismatic meeting, so she didn't know that she was meant to feel certain things. She described it as fire all over her body. And then she could breathe, and she didn't have another asthma attack for a considerable period of time. Isn't that amazing? But it came because I told her stories of what I'd seen God do. Who else needs to hear that story? Your story of breakthrough, of overcoming fear, of overcoming illness, of being peaceful when many other people wouldn't be peaceful in your situation. Who else needs to hear that story? Stewarding the story of power. The woman at the well in John 4 leaves her water pots after an encounter with Jesus and says that she tells the whole town to come and see a man who told me all I ever did. He must be the Christ. He, he must be somebody really amazing. And as a result, it says that many Samaritans complete unbelievers from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. The story of your encounter with Jesus has power to change other people's lives too. Salvation, the greatest miracle of all, can come to whole communities because of your story. And who needs to hear this? Because many can argue with an argument. Ever tried to argue the gospel? But it's very difficult to argue with somebody's testimony when you say, this is what happened for me, this is what I was, and this is who I am now. The demon-possessed man of the Gerasenes is another example of this in Mark chapter 5. Jesus miraculously sets him free from a legion of demons. That's possibly 5,000 demons. Or maybe even more. But all we do know is that when he was delivered, 2,000 pigs were drowned because of their deliverance. They asked Jesus, can we go out into these pigs? So 2,000 big pigs took 5,000 demons for a drowning. <laughs> you know, so much power 
was unlocked due to that miracle that the whole region was affected and the people said, please, will you leave the region? It's too much for us. Too much power. It's like a nuclear bomb of power being set off in that region. A whole region was shaken by what happened. The man has been restored. And, and Jesus, and he, he wants to go with Jesus, but Jesus, no, I want you to stay in this area and I want you to tell everybody your story. So they can't cope with it, with me being here. It's not the time for them for me to be here, actually. These are Gentiles. But you stay and you tell everybody what I've done for you. Some believe that this is what opened up the Gentiles to the gospel when the time was right and Paul went out. But it says that the Gentiles of the Decapolis, meaning ten cities, opened up because of this man's testimony. Come on, ten cities opened up and were then fertile for the gospel because of one man's testimony. Such was the power of this story. And guys, you know, each of us have stories running through our lives. Powerful stories where God is the hero. The stories of forgiveness, stories of freedom, stories of salvation and healing. And these stories of the faithfulness of God are laden with power and full of his presence. If you don't believe me, just try it. Just try telling a story to somebody who's a complete unbeliever and see the awe of God come on them. In our lives are stored up batteries of power which are at our disposal. And they invite God to do again what he's done before. He's done it for me, so he can do it for you, you know. He's done it for me. You know, the lady I prayed for just a little while ago got, we reckon she's got three new discs in her back. Three new discs in her back. And when the power of God came on her, the first thing that happened was she bent over and she can't bend over. Isn't that interesting? She bent right over like this and then went boing like that. She said, oh, I think it's done. She said she had a bit of stiffness, but there was no pain. And she said, I think the discs are wearing in. I've seen that miracle before. So I started with, I've seen this miracle before. I saw the time when I prayed for Caroline Holly, who was in this lady's church. Oh, Caroline, yes, you know she got healed. Well, this is how we prayed for her. And instantly, the woman who, quite honestly, was discouraged, disillusioned even, I've been ill for ages, why hasn't God healed me? I said, well, hold on a minute, I've seen this miracle before. God can do it again. Do you know how powerful your stories are? They completely change somebody's life. Completely change their response to Jesus. So who do you know that needs to hear some of these stories at the moment. That's the challenge. We've been trying to collate the stories. We've just put out a blog. There are more stories coming through. I'm desperate to tell you a story that happened this week, but I can't tell you yet. But I sneakily told some of your children, so ask them. Some phenomenal stories are coming through. God is doing stuff like I have never seen before. Who else needs to hear these stories? Just think about it. In your family, in your community, who needs to hear these stories of hope and the faithfulness of God?
What about your families? So do your children know of God's faithfulness to you throughout the years, parents? We enter the gates of heaven with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. So are we living in the good of all that God has done, or are we miserable about what we've yet to see? Come on, be honest. Do you know we get so grumpy because we haven't seen that prayer answered yet, but then we forget all the ones that have been. Stand on those. God, you've done it before, now do it again. Get over your grumpiness (laughs) and repent of it. Yes, we want more, but stand on what God has already done and thank him for that, and he will give you more than you could ever ask or think. So do your batteries need a recharge? Show and tell, don't tell, make tell, go and tell. So we've got five minutes. Um, I just want you to get into groups. Uh, And if you feel awkward about this, forgive me. I love you. This is going to do you good. Just get into groups and tell some of your stories to one another. And I am... I am prepared to guarantee that there will be several people who, as they hear your stories, needed to hear that story today. And if you're visiting, genuinely, I don't want you to feel awkward. Um, feel free to get a coffee or something. There'll be coffee served shortly. Um, but, or just listen. Just listen. But I just want to encourage you to get into some small groups and just say, okay, I want to tell you about how Jesus saved me. I want to tell you about what Jesus did for me. I want to tell you about what I saw this week. I want to tell you about a miracle I saw once. And just recharge the battery and then pray for one another. And that's how we're going to close. I'll call you back together in five minutes or so. Okay? Is that okay? Is anybody up for that? Anybody up for storytelling? Come on then, let's do that.